Welcome, welcome back to MCFC. We're here for another great week. I'm pretty excited about this conversation that we're going to have. Uh, this week was Brit's week, and she picked a little movie called Merrily We Go to Hell. And we'll get into that into a minute. Uh, before we do, as always, we'd like to update you on what's going on in our lives. And of course, we as as the individuals listening for the first time as well, we don't know what's going on either. So, uh, whose turn, Britt, who, who do you want to hear a daily from first? You know what? I would love if Ian would start us off with that daily. Okay. Mm. Hey Britt. Hey Bo. Hey. Hey Ian. Hey listeners. I, I've been criticized in the past of telling very lengthy stories in my dailies and this is no exception. So just hold tight. <laughs> the highlight <laughs> of my week it will be titled embracing my authenticity through a magical saturday night in dallas now mm. as you both know i moved to dallas from san diego and uh you know a lot of people would question that decision because san diego is paradise uh however one of the things i really love about dallas there is a vibrant art music theater scene and kind of in a post-COVID-ish world, uh, shit's going on on a Saturday night. And, and in the afternoon, my good friend Lauren, there's going to be a lot of shout-outs, by the way. Uh, my friend Lauren asked if I wanted hey, to go Lauren. see every, Everything Everywhere All the Time, which I'm going to go into a detailed synopsis and summary of that movie. So if you guys just don't <laughs> mind, just kidding. But as I said, go see that movie. Uh, you know, three I was, months. I was now. quiet, but I was I was about to lose my shit if you went one more one more word further. One more word. So, uh, Lauren and I, we go see this movie. Great experience. Great afternoon. However, then my buddy Patrick's like, "Hey, I'm at this art gallery showing. Uh, it's in Deep Ellum, and it's just like the night's continuing, and it's like perfect temperature, like t-shirt and jean weather in Dallas. The nightlife is." bumping and it's great but it's perfect and we go see uh this gallery and it's the keller art gallery and there's a showing of this guy jeff skelly he's an austin-based artist pretty cool stuff kind of mixed media paintings very skull very like 90s nickelodeon on acid in a good way and i saw a bunch of my friends lauren knows the gallery owners this great older couple they're just like free booze is flowing handouts everything great night and i kept sitting there staring at this one painting and uh, a couple of my buddies like, what are you going to buy it? Or what are you, what are you doing? You know, and kind of encouraging and nudging. I was like, ah, I can't do this. I can't do this. And uh, I said, fuck it. And I bought the painting and I like a boss, yeah. like they put the, they put like the sticker next to it. Like, this is mine. I claimed it. And everyone's like, that's the best one. You bought the best painting. Now it's not about that, but I guess the point about this authenticity is like, I care about this. Like that had meaning to me. And you both know I'm like very frugal. I'm very cheap. Like I, my clothes are rags. And yet maybe <laughs> what does mean a lot to me, you know, is all your original artwork or something. And I wanted to support this artist and it was awesome. And I'm so glad I bought this painting. And also I'll send you both a photo of it. But it's like, I'd love to see it. Yeah. It's basically this cowboy, <laughs> uh, this like animated cowboy giving the middle finger and his boots say "fuck shit," and I just like <laughs> kept cracking up. 
I just kept cracking up. And as I get older, you know, I just enjoy the absurdity of everyday life and really just cracking up. And I, I'm so glad I bought this painting and I can't wait to hang. It's going to be in the gallery till like the end of May. Uh, but uh, that's, that's awesome. And I talked to the, the painter and he like gave me a huge hug. He's like, really nice guy too. And then afterwards we're all like, Hey, you know, let's go out for another drink. And we went out to this great bar, open air, you know, just perfect night. Uh, and it was very true to who I am. And it was a wonderful night in Dallas. Many snaps. That's great. That's great. What about you, Brittany? What is your daily? Well, my daily, uh, my moment of elation this week, uh, Sometimes I pick up catering shifts at the company I used to work for pre-COVID. And I worked a shift with them last week and I walked in and found out that uh, their pastry chef had called out for the day. And uh, anyone who knows me in my earlier cooking years, I had a, a, a nickname of the accidental pastry chef because I in <laughs> no way have ever studied pastry. Um, but... I ended up in a position where I was just like the pastry chef because we just didn't have one for like a couple of years at this company. Um, so I spent the day in pastry land and it was like, on one hand, I was kind of like, I don't know, almost weirdly intimidated just because it felt like, you know, if you haven't like ridden a bike in 10 years, it's like, sure. People are like, yeah, you could, you just pick it right back up. It's fine. But you know, you're still kind of like, I don't know, can I like, I just felt a little weird walking into it. But then, you know, of course, I like absolutely crushed and was like doing all kinds of complicated pastry recipes all day and just had that moment of like, oh, yeah, like, no, I I can do this. I'm actually very good at this. I still in no way would want to do pastry for a living. It's way too much like math and preciseness for my mm. taste. But it was kind of fun to step back into that role for a brief moment and be like, hell, yeah, I did that shit. Fuck shit. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Bo, what's your daily? Oh, mine's a little bit weird this week only because um, I'm sort of thinking about my week. I always like before I do my daily, I do look at my calendar and say, like, what was my week like? Mm. And uh, I want to give a shout out actually to my podcast mate over at Campfire Shit Show because and this is my daily now, but I want to give a shout out to her. Um, her ability to get like really great guests on that I probably never would have found. And uh, she's just got a real gusto to her to like do that. And so because of that, my daily of the week is actually sitting down for a conversation with uh, a man by the name of Josh Edelman, who directed the um, documentary Mentally Al. And that came out a couple of years ago. Um, it's all about this stand-up comedian by the name of Al Lubell. And uh, it focuses on mental health, stand-up comedy, um, guilt and resentment. And I just think it's like a really interesting watch. But like I was so stoked to have like met him and had this conversation. It was like a good moment for me just to like, I was like, oh, man, this is, this is great. I never would have, you know, when you, you have that friend that introduces you to somebody and you're just like, oh, I, I'm so glad I met you. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, Again, you should check out the, the movie. I think it's probably not something we'll do on here, uh, but it's called Mentally Al, and it's a documentary you can find on, I think you can rent it on YouTube currently. So check that out. Nice. 
All right, well, let's get into the movie. Uh, this week, it's Brit's pick. Uh, it's Merrily We Go to Hell, directed by Dorothy Arzner and starring Sylvia Sidney and Frederick March. Um, I know you seem to be excited about this movie, Brit. So uh, why don't you introduce it with your synopsis? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Merrily We Go to Hell. This comes to us from 1932. And this is a film where a young heiress becomes the human embodiment of the this is fine meme with the dog sitting inside of a house on fire. <laughs> um, I would love if Bo would start us off with his thoughts on this gem of a film. All right. I don't mind doing it. Um, here's the thing. Uh, just short of me just describing the film. There's not that much to talk about, in my opinion. Um, it's a pretty straightforward story about two people who fall in love that maybe aren't matched perfectly, but he clearly has an alcohol problem, and she sort of follows him like a lost puppy, and that relationship turns into this tumultuous, sort of like disgusting uh display of two people who are lost in a world that is kind of ugly and destructive in its own right um i i want to say a, uh, there's a couple things that i i noted about this film that is um it did seem ahead of its time for sure but then i got a little bit more into um you know the what they have you know, this is a pre-code movie, you know, and I think you guys have probably read any something about that. But if if our listeners don't know what that is, uh, there was a code, I think, in 1934 that was mm -hmm. passed that made it uh, it was sort of like the MPACC or MPCC, uh, the, whatever the that is, the motion picture. Yeah. Conduct code. Right. And so uh, what that did is it limited films after the year of 1934 um, from having things in it that were bad per se. Uh, and, and by bad, I mean the church thought it was bad. Um, <laughs> so they omitted things like homosexuality, um, biracial relationships. Um, they didn't let you say certain words or depict divorcees or things like that for many decades. It wasn't allowed after 34. Well, this movie was made in 32. And so you've got this situation where you're showing an alcoholic man and uh, I guess an heiress to a coffee company and she falls in love with them and they just have a really bad relationship. It's just gross. And it's like, um, it doesn't really show either of them in a positive light in many ways, but what it does show is like open relationships in 1932. And that's kind of crazy to me. It's like, clearly it was a little bit ahead of its time because in all the films I've seen from the forties, fifties and sixties, even further is like, you don't see that conversation happening a lot of like, yeah, this is okay. I'm married and, and, and we both have significant others too like other people so it's like it's kind of a wild thing um but i just didn't feel like even having all that um the subject matter being so ahead of its time that 
this movie really did anything to showcase more than yeah this is gross like this is kind of a this is not a good situation uh because it's not like in the end things start to work out things never work out in this they just stay together and it's still gross um and they just destroy each other along the way i think I mean, again, I, I won't talk forever here. I just, I felt like watching it. I was like, it almost felt like a movie or, or a, a short commercial for like, and this is why you don't drink, you know, it felt like that. It felt like, well, of course, I mean, even in the first setting where they meet on the balcony, uh, he's drinking way too much. He's like pouring, pouring, pouring. And she's like, no, thank you. No, thank you. He's like, well, I need another. Come over here and sit here because it's closer to the drink. And it's just, and, and the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, how is this attractive to her? How? And then as they go and he's passing out in cars and missing appointments and not being there for their life. And even the, the, the wedding party, the, you know, everything, everything about it. It's like, He's showing that he's just a piece of garbage. And so I'm sitting there going like, oh, I feel so bad for her because she's an idiot. You know, she doesn't she's in love with this guy and she's stuck in this bad relationship and he can't he just can't get his shit together. And, and listen, if it's a depiction of alcoholism and the things that it does to people around them. OK, but I still didn't think that this film was so good that I, I would recommend it as, as like a really interesting take on that subject. It didn't feel like a really interesting take on that. Um, okay, I'll be quiet. I can see Ian is like, he's squirming over there. So Ian, do you want to say something? Is there a baritone in the house? <laughs> <laughs> um, he's not a baritone uh, or a gentleman. <laughs> so I'm very... There's a couple things uh, I want to respond to. One, I, I agree overall that the story is somewhat simplistic and there's not a lot of depth to it or a lot of meat. But I found the film refreshingly contemporary, which is just like, wow, this just feels like it was released five years ago kind of thing because it is this fascinating, even the dialogue, it is somewhat sensationalistic people are raging, people are, it doesn't feel like this uh, Victorian era of prudishness. And probably my favorite, there was that scene where Joan is like, I'm a modern, if this is a modern marriage, I'm a modern wife. And she goes out, I was like, get it, Joan. I was like, yeah. <laughs> like she shows up at the club with, uh, I think it's Clark Gable, but like she shows up to yeah. the club with her new dude. No. Oh, I thought it was Cary Grant. You're right. It's I Cary think you're Grant. right. I think you're right. Cary Grant. Um, yes. You can cross off that trivia question, Brett. Uh, no, but uh, <laughs> all joking aside, right? It, there was this moment, the turn in her development that I was like, I was like, you know, our, oh my God, I almost made a 30 year old reference to Arsenio Hall. But I <laughs> started just like <laughs> fist bumping my TV, like, yes, I'm so pumped for this person. But to backtrack um, and to circle to the thing about the, the husband it doesn't make sense right from the jump like i don't get the attraction she meets him when he's sloshed 
uh the only thing i could deduce and i think we've all been there but like <laughs> like he's the bad boy he is the antithesis of her father who's like the responsible businessman who's provided for her and she's like yeah i don't i, I want this guy who's a mess i don't know i don't understand the psychology it doesn't make sense right it like right. even because he, he's not super handsome either you know whatever not to objectify but I think the only thing that they did mention was that she knew who he was through his writing and that he, she thought he was clever and never missed one of his columns. So to me, it's like she almost had him on a pedestal a little bit of like, oh, here's this creative genius. And so I want to be around that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, he is charming. And uh, first she gave me gingerbread, right? Uh, but, uh, but overall, um, I, I had never seen anything like this you know, in the sense of this pre-code era. So if nothing else, Britt, I'm grateful that you picked this because it kind of blew my mind about this period. And I'm going to just elaborate a little bit more on what you were saying, Bo, because I deep dove this. I was like, what the hell? Because like, we've often said, oh, it's ahead of its time. It's ahead of its time. And my biggest takeaway from this film was kind of like, it's kind of like when you're a teenager, and your parents are like laughing to themselves when they think when you think you're sneaking like the boot like the the cheap beer from the high school party and you, you think you're getting away with it and your parents are like we did the exact same thing and that people drank during the depression prohibition era people you know had infidelity we, they did all these things and it's more about who is censoring it and who's filtering it and it's kind of wild just to see like Hey, there's this like four year period of uh, like we had sound with film and we went wild. And not yeah. until again, this whole Presbyterian elder William Hayes and the whole Hayes code, did they start mm-hmm. like you, you know, this is bad for the image for Hollywood. This is bad for the film industry. We need to censor this because it, you know, they glorify gangsters. They are like, I mean, some of these movie posters too, like, I went down this rabbit hole and it's super risque and I'm like kind of blown yeah. away. And, and, uh, so I think if nothing else, it just kind of like from a cool historical perspective, this is wild to see. And, um, the only other thing I'd add is, you know, again, it's kind of badass. Like this is directed by a woman in 1932 13 years after women were given the right to vote like this like dorothy arzner i don't know yeah. why we don't know more about her or how she, maybe i should know more about her maybe she is like an icon but i never well, knew honestly, anything about her until this once the code came through a lot of films uh and filmmakers who had done stuff before were suddenly not able to work the same way and so mm. there were a lot of female directors that suddenly we're not being used in the late thirties, especially during the war, you know, oh, you got, when you go into the forties, it's like all of a sudden the whole industry changes. Um, the movies that are being made change. And it's like, it's kind of weird because it, it, it made me think, you know, right now there are a lot of laws and things going through a lot of ideas out in the world. And you're like, well, that's not going to last, you know? And you think that, Oh, that's not going to last. Like, uh, like banning gay marriage or something like that. But it's like, yeah, but there are times where something is allowed and then somebody comes in and puts this code in place and suddenly we only had four years where we're talking about open relationships until 
in in the mid 70s or 80s where it comes back in film it's like that's a big jump where people are like this doesn't even happen you know it's like yes it does it does homosexuality exists open marriages exist divorces happen you know it's like people have problems in their lives and it's like you can't just gloss over that and act like if it isn't pure and wonderful it doesn't exist it's like no and so yeah i feel i i read a bunch of stuff about dorothy arzner and i was like it really sucks because she was she was openly gay and yeah. had a life partner and wore men's suits on set and it's like it was totally fine it was totally fine and so it's yeah. like this is in 1931 like give me a fucking break why have we why have we gone now almost a hundred years into a space where it's like now that's just barely normal again you know like it's like it's so weird it's so weird so sorry I, I talked a little bit much there that no and and Britt, please weigh in because i have i have a little more to add but we've been you know ranting but talking over the woman no i'm just kidding the only, uh, the only other thing i would add is this, <laughs> no but this fascinating period the like the, the you know the raciness of these pictures and we have to you know again in the historical context they are pretty like some of them are pretty wild and it was the depression era and it was movie theaters like we need people to come buy tickets and seats how can we lure them in guess what sex works so like hey uh making as risque as pictures as possible which kind of contributed to this haze code again to the code but then yeah. to circle back to this picture merely we go to hell you know the one critique the major critique i have is again a lot of these Essentially, what would happen is, hey, you can talk about some, you know, some taboo stuffs, but make sure it ends with like a nice little moral reminder, some morality, like, hey, he loves you. You're going to be together, even though this 99% of this marriage was like awful and horrible Stand to this person. Stand by your man. <laughs> Stand by your man. Yeah. And that was where I was like, ah, I actually really enjoyed this, but hated the ending. But yeah, Brett. Um, yeah, I also had a lot of mixed feelings on this. Um, I think that in the beginning, you know, third to half of it, I felt like the pacing and the tone were like very exciting. It felt like it was ramping up and there was a lot of like wit and charm and like good. I thought about um, a few of those moments I thought about all about Eve because there were some like really good like one liner you know, kind of zinger moments that I was like, oh God, I love this kind of shit. Um, but then it felt like, you know, once they settled into marriage and kind of we get to that second half of the story where now he's working on this play and everything that happens with that, it just kind of felt like it turned into this like early uh, soap opera or something, you know, like it just, yeah. everything just kind of felt very like predictable and flat and like I, it, it felt like it was dealing with these very like salacious, you know, scandalous ideas, but like in a way that just didn't uh, feel as exciting as I guess it could have. Um, and I'm sure, you know, if it had gone too far in the other direction, we would have been like, they over sensationalized all these things. So like, you know, sometimes yeah. maybe you just there's no right way to do it. But um, I will say to respond to what each of you kind of touched on. Um, I have been in this relationship before and <laughs> even though she meets him when he's totally sloshed, as you mentioned, Ian, um, 
I think, you know, love is a hell of a drug. And as Bo mentioned, <laughs> like she already had like built him up in her mind. But I just think like I unfortunately was seeing a lot of myself in this character of how like he'll be doing these awful things. He's not showing up. He's embarrassing her. He's being a dick when he's drunk and being mean to her and saying awful things and, you know, doing all this horrible shit that like, as a viewer, you're like, yeah, this like, why there's nothing good. Like he's charming, but like this dude's a fucking piece of shit. Like, why are you with him? But like in all of those scenes where she's sort of like explaining away all of what he's doing and, you know, sort of like like she just leaves that party rather than like deal with the embarrassment of having to be there without him like all of these things i was like yeah yeah girl i feel you like uh, <laughs> i've been there <laughs> so like i don't it's it's not yeah. uh an explanation by any means because there is no explanation for it it is a, a weird whirlwind to be in a relationship with someone who has a problem with alcohol but um I do think it was a very accurate portrayal of how that plays out for the people around that person. Um, and to go back to the ending, I, I was, yeah, I had, I like, I have questions. I wish we could like get Dorothy Arzner on the phone and be like, what was your intention here? Because on one hand, I could almost see how like, yeah, it's like, hey, you can do all this shit, but like you got to get your Hollywood ending in there. Like, you know, that's what the people want. Um, and it felt like, you know, they had the like sort of typical music playing in the background as they had that like last kiss and embrace before the credits rolled. Yeah. But on the other hand, I could almost see, especially once you know who the director was as a person and how many of her movies sort of dealt with this like yeah fuck marriage fuck society fuck what everyone thinks i'm supposed to do like you know she definitely had a very specific viewpoint about all of these things like part of me wonders if the ending was sort of supposed to somehow feel tragic in that like these oh. people just returned to this life that is yeah. awful in every way but maybe i think that is what it is Good if point. that is the case i think it was not well executed. Like it wasn't given the space that it needed for you to feel that because I like when the credits rolled, I seriously was sitting there looking at my TV like, what? Cause it just, I couldn't understand. I felt like I was feeling both of those things at the same time. Like la la la, like, you know, fairy tale ending, but also like this ironic tragedy that she was trying to like say this greater thing about like, the perils of marriage and it's like you know trying to have this be sort of like a uh a warning of like don't go down this road women like you can do better um but i don't know yeah i just at the end of the day i was just kind of confused about like what the message was actually supposed to be save the, the creme de mint for you girl <laughs> yeah get your own bottle <laughs> no that's th isn't um, it creme isn't it creme creme de menthe yeah, is it the creme de menthe? Creme de menthe. Every time they said it, yeah. Every time they every time they said it, yeah. I was like, oh, is it creme de menthe? I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> First she um, gave me Jean Jabrard, then she gave me cough. <laughs> Jean Jabrard. <laughs> Jean Jabrard. <laughs> Jean Jabrard. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought that it. I thought that it was a little. Uh, 
It was a little heavy in that last scene at the, the hospital. It's like, she a had little. your baby. The baby died. She's going to die. Now go in there. No, don't go in there. She don't like, want to see happening? you. You know? Yeah. It's like, okay. And then she, he goes in and I was like, the best thing that could have happened is like, they're like, let's do it. We can do this. And he pulls out a flask. You know what I mean? And then, then it roll credits. Because it's I like. Did, I, I did I, see I something. I definitely where, think they're not getting better. Yeah. Where it was like, if there was an epilogue to this movie, they would be celebrating in a bar. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's a hundred percent. A hundred percent. That is that relationship. Baby, it's going to yeah. be different this time. It's going to be different. We're going to make it work. <laughs> Cheers, right? Cheers to that. I, I do want to. I think we. I don't think we've uh, given it credit. Sylvia Sidney does play Joan, and I thought she was really good overall. I know you made I the agree. comparison. You brought up All About Eve earlier, Britt, and I thought similar comparisons. And I don't know. I thought Sylvia did an amazing performance overall um, for and being the kind of young. And at 21 years old. Insane. Yeah. Ew. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> hey <-o. laughs> Well, do, does anyone have anything else to add about this before we... Go to trivia. I, I think I've had about all I can handle of, of this bottle of creme de mal. You know what this podcast needs? Oh, God. More trivia, less talk. <laughs> uh, I just, I, I don't want to uh, be the bearer of bad news, Ian, but trivia does also involve talk. Um, so if, you, if you're not on board for that, I think the door is behind you. Yeah. Um, but we can yeah. move on to trivia. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Get your little raise hand emojis ready. Uh, oh, gosh. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. How do I do that? Oh, my God. We're trying to be very diplomatic okay, now all right. after the, the near uh, tie the controversy. of hand raising a few weeks yes. ago. Yes. Um, all right. So our first question is going to be worth one point, and it is as follows. In Merrily We Go to Hell, Frederick Marsh played the role of a tragic booze hound. In what 1937 film did he play a character with the same affliction, earning himself an Oscar nomination in the process? Think about your famous tragic booze hounds from 1937. God. Who... Uh, my famous booze. <laughs> um, if you know what, I can feel the desperation. Oh, Ian! It's a wonderful life. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is not correct. Okay. But not not a bad guess. That was a uh, our old pal Jimmy Stewart, wasn't it? Jimmy Stewart. I but I thought it was he was yeah. his drunk friend who didn't buy presents for the kids on <laughs> Christmas. So. <laughs> No, he close. was a really good man. So close. He was like such a good man. Uh, Bo, um, do you have a guess on this one? Uh, you on Wikipedia okay, so wait. right now, Bo? What are you doing? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, okay. You said it was a 1937 film. Correct. About an alcoholic. Mm. I'm going to go... I'm going to go... I've, I don't know this answer, but I'm going to just take a wild... Oh, wait. Sorry. I'll raise my hand. I'm going to take a okay. wild guess. Go for okay? it. Okay. 
Because I think there have been a couple. There's this one movie that came out a couple years ago. Come on, Ian. And it's been made three times. And I know the first one was in the 30s. And I just wanted to say, is it A Star is Born? That is correct. And we're going to need oh. you. We're going to need you to just turn your iPad around really quick. Because what the fuck were you oh, doing sure. just now? Looking at my note. Okay. I was looking at all the cast. <laughs> Come on. Oh, wait, All how, right. do I, how do I that's, do this? Well, I'm impressed. Oh. Yes, congratulations. Well, it's I just know I know that movie's been remade like three yeah. or four times by yeah. different people. And you're talking about the one with and Gaga? Know, it was with Gaga. Was yeah. 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 Wow. But that's um, and then there was one I thought there was one with the in the seventies. I believe. But yeah. I could be uh, isn't Liza Minnell? I don't know. I don't know. I just was like it was too specific of a question for me to think I didn't know it. So I was like, what do I know? So, What a okay. profound question to ask oneself. You know what this country needs more? More Liza, less Lady. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, Lady. Oh, no, I think now Liza needs Lady. I know. I know. Oh. Okay, question two. This one is worth two points. Dorothy Arzner was a filmmaking pioneer, becoming the first woman to direct a sound picture and the first female member of the Directors Guild of America. While directing The Wild Party in 1929, she invented an early version of what now essential filmmaking equipment. Ian. A boom mic. Fuck yeah, oh, that is correct. That is the, that is the answer. Yes. I was trying to remember. Oh, that's, that's Unbelievable. Great. Oh. She had the crew put a microphone onto a fishing rod and follow the actors around. So that was, that was the first uh, recorded that's... instance of a boom mic. All I want to do a is answer. a boom, 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 and a zoom, zoom. I actually watched... Just shake your mic. I watched a um, short documentary on Dorothy Arzner, and they talk about that, so I'm really bummed. Mm. Really bummed. Good, Man, good job. Man, you could have swept. You could have swept today, Bo. No, nah, that's fine. <laughs> I'm sleeping. He's dreaming. All right. What did she do? I... I yeah. Well, well. now that we have wrapped up trivia and everyone has won a little bit of pointage, congratulations to you both, but, you know, more so to Ian. Um, why don't we circle back to our ratings of this film? Who the hell did we start with? Bo, what did you rate Merrily We Go to Hell? This is one of those instances where uh, I need a poem to describe how I'm feeling. Just kidding. Um... <laughs> I uh, I rated this film a five. I gave it a five. And the reason I did that is this. Uh, I think it's an important film. I do. I think it has a good message. I did also feel like even though um, Sylvia was, a, was great in this and the story was provocative and had a lot of really good intentions, I think as a whole... By the time I was done with the movie, I was like, what the fuck? Like, that was kind of a, that was kind of a, an interesting journey to get to where we got. And so 
Do I think it, it, it talks about some important things? Yes. Do I think that they did a good job? Do I think it's awesome that Dorothy Arzner made this film as a, as a woman in 1932? Yes, of course. All these things are great, but is it a great movie? I'm going to give it a five. Okay. Ian, where did you land? Well, I am going to start this with a poem. No. So, Shang Gao Jing Yuan. So, I'm currently reading Ai Weiwei's book. Okay. Uh, I had a whole bit, and there is a bit, but I won't subject oh. you to that. However. How many beats? Bits. Read the room. <laughs> I gave this an eight. Whoa! <laughs> I thought about this not only in the historical significance. However. Just technically as a story, as a, a movie, I love that we, we jump right into the action. I actually enjoyed the, again, where I said it felt so contemporary. Like we open with guy drunk on a, you know, at a party. And I love like, all right, let's get into it. And yeah, I, I do think Arzner did a lot of cool stuff just with the camera work as well with lighting. Mm. I agree. The story itself is fairly just rudimentary and basic. But, and I probably, if I'm being honest with myself, probably gave an extra couple points, maybe an extra point because of pre-code era, everything about it and like the raciness sure. of it comparative to its peers. But I really liked it and I actually have recommended it to other people. Like I was like kind of impressed and that it didn't huh. feel super stale except for the ending. Hmm. Maybe I concession stand this, but I gave it an eight. Okay. Well, I think, no, that's great. That's great. I think, I think, if I was going to recommend a movie, let's say it's a rainy day, it's a cold rainy day, mm -hmm. and you want to watch something old, a classic film, right? I still wouldn't recommend this one. I would, I would go through a lot of other films, and so that's what I kind of like gauge this on. Is like, would I recommend this? Or I'd be like, hey, don't drink. It ruins your life. That, that's kind of, <laughs> I just tell them that and say, watch something else. So you're saying you, know? you would recommend showing this to like maybe a fifth grade class to just steer them from <laughs> exactly. the path exactly. of debauchery. <laughs> exactly. And most, most of, of the them would be like, program. yeah. <laughs> most of them would already know that because they'd be like, yeah, that's my parents. Those are my parents right, right there. You know? So I don't, I, yeah. Okay. Brittany. Oh, Brit. God. Yes. Okay. Um, a couple of quick things because I feel like we did talk a fair amount of trash. Like I did generally enjoy this. Um, and uh, Ian just reminded me of one thing I didn't know, but the opening scene of this was rad. And like, I don't know how, like this is 1932. And I don't know if you guys remember specifically, but it was just like this long sweeping shot that seemed to go on forever and in ways that like defied physics. And I was just like, Whoa, that was a cool fucking entry into what we're getting into. Um, and also every single one of, can Jones you explain that? Oh, I'm sorry. Can you just explain that a little bit more? Cause all it is is a sweeping shot, but what what's involved? Uh, basically it was just like going through the city and then leading into this rooftop party that they were all at. Yeah. I don't, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I didn't realize until far enough into the scene that I was like, wait, is this one shot or is this a very tricky, they made it look like one shot. I have to imagine it was not one shot, but it right. was very sneaky in the way that it was edited together. And it well, looked very cool, especially, especially for the time. 
Yeah, especially because it was all a model. Like the whole opening scene was a model. It wasn't a real city. And right. then it just ends up on the balcony and you're like, wow, that was pretty that's pretty elaborate. That was a yeah. somebody built that whole thing and it's elaborate and it's got city signs and things like that. Yeah. I thought so too. Um so that, but then also uh all of Jones outfits. I mean, I thought the 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 wardrobe yeah. in general was great, but like every single thing that she wore, I was like, I would murder a person to have that dress like what the fuck they were all amazing that's all just side shit anyway uh i gave this a 6.5 wow so you give wow <laughs> yeah i do Split think the difference. i would <laughs> yeah i i would recommend this to some extent to the right type of person i do think it it's interesting especially uh, like from a historical standpoint like ian was saying but for sure uh, for sure but yeah i just i do think there were like some some real issues with the story itself um but you know it was a fun it was a fun romp i'm glad we watched it yeah on that yeah. note merrily we go to hell hey cheers <laughs> <laughs> i know i do i do honestly think that that's a that is a, a, a pretty good cheers mm-hmm. to say in a bar. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so Ian comes in with an 8.5. No, eight. with a, no, with an 8. An eight. Yeah, come on. Brit come on. I'm not crazy. 6.5 for Brittany. And then I had a 5. I mean, you know, that, that's about standard. That's about standard. With you know? Ian completely overinflating and then... Oh, uh, space yeah. in reality. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't cut me off and say, it's a 10, a damn 10. I'm putting it in the books. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's what I did. Um, uh-huh. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> before we get out of here, does anybody have any other things to say about this movie or, or anything? You know what this podcast needs is more endings. Yes, and less talk. So all I'm going to say is this. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. All right, Bo. All right, Brittany. Uh, We're doing something different tonight. You know what this podcast needs? Less predictability. Our audience listeners want a little bit more gamesmanship, a little bit more excitement, a little bit noise. I have no idea what I'm picking tonight, but I have. Five movies that I threw down into this hat, and it's a mystery night. Uh, I have no idea what we're going to watch this next week. But well, when we... you have some idea. You have, it's one of five that you wrote down, right? You have some idea. Please don't interrupt the coming attractions. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but I, we started this podcast with kind of an intention of like, I've always meant to see that. So I picked a bunch of movies that I've never seen. I would love to see. Hopefully you have not seen them. If you have, hope you enjoy rewatching them. But this next week we are watching Heat, directed by Michael Mann, 1994's Heat. Ooh, <laughs> let's, is let's, that real? Let's get into the 90s. Let's do this. Oh, shit. Hell yeah, let's I'm go. Gonna be, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never seen it. Really? I've Either. never seen it. Nope. It's one of those movies that like every man on the planet, you know, lives by. I'm surprised I don't have like tattoos of it, but it's like, I haven't seen it. So that's awesome. Uh, it will enjoy as we get into Heat, directed by Michael Mann. 
Movie Cinema Film Club is brought to you by Shit Show Media. Make sure you check out all of our upcoming movies we'll be talking about on our Instagram at Movie Cinema Film Club. If you have an opinion, a comment, or a movie you think we should watch and discuss, email us at moviecinemafilmclub at gmail.com. This week's episode was written by Ian Chofe, Brittany Everett, and me, Bo Hufford, and it was edited by Brittany Everett. Remember, support your local cinema, don't spoil films, be oh so quiet at the movies, and for the love of God, choose to read subtitles and boycott film dubbing. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.